Welcome to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. Thanks for joining us today for our series on Grace, Trust, and Surrender. Now, here's Ray. Hi, I'm Ray Sturdivant. We're in a series we're calling Grace, Trust, and Surrender, and we are in the first part of Grace. And so last time, we started picking apart the difference between law and grace and a performance-based relationship with God and a grace-based relationship with God. And really wanted to get into that a little bit more, do a little deeper dive. You know, wanted to get into the purposes of the law. And one of the main reasons for the law is to break us of our self-righteousness. It doesn't take long trying to keep the law to realize it's an impossible task to keep it perfectly. Yeah. Right. You know, um, when it comes to the law, you know, uh, Romans says it. the purpose is to show us our sin and our imperfection and how we really can't measure up. And and so because of that, you know, uh, I think you quoted James before. What does it say in James about the one rule you break and then, yep. you know, it's the whole law. Yep. It's the whole law is broken once one is done. Um, we like to think of, you know, say one sin as greater than the other, and it's... It's really all the same to God, but our problem is is that we don't recognize the reaction God has to that to those sin. It's it is the same reaction, and uh, that little lie you told is the same reaction from God as when if you were to murder someone. And a lot of times we like to take the greater sin to us and bring it down to the reaction we give it for lying or something like that. But yeah, but uh, really we should when we tell that lie, our reaction to that should be up there with the murder. The good news is is that. Uh, with God, it's all covered in the blood of Christ. Yep, yep. You know, it's it's uh, one of the main purposes of the law is to get us to realize that we have a problem. You know, as fallen humans, we are really into self-justification, mm-hmm. you know, and we have what, you know, a relative righteousness. In other words, uh, one of the reasons shows like Jerry Springer, I think, are very popular is because we get to look down our nose at other people that we view as, uh, you know, a lot worse. And we'll make analogies like, well, at least I don't, uh, I'm not married to my cousin or, that's absolutely you know, true. and so it makes us feel a little better about ourselves. Uh, but that's not the solution to sin. No. Uh, Jesus is the solution to sin and the law helps us really diagnose, diagnose our sin problem. I use the analogy, uh, that the law is kind of like an x-ray. You know, I may be suspicious that I have cancer uh, or a doctor wants me to go get testing. Well, I go get an X-ray and an X-ray can reveal that I have cancer, but it can't it can't cure my cancer. And that's really what the law does. The law is a sin detector. And so when we get into the law, it's really revealing sin. It's it's revealing God's righteousness and our inability to make it. And it's a reality, a gut check. Because the, the law should bring actual terror to us. If we really understand what the law is about, the law says you sin, you die. You know, Romans 3.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. Yeah. And so there is no, God doesn't grade on the curve. Uh, you sin, you have a debt to him. And so Jesus pays our debt, and that's where grace comes into be, to being. Um, it's, it's, uh, I think one of the most unbelievable experiences is to be 
total under the terror and fear of the law and then coming into a realization of grace and God forg- God's forgiveness, it's very freeing. Right, and, and you bring up a good point, is that the standard of, of the law is, is God himself. It is Jesus Christ. It, it's perfection. Yeah. And so uh, when we start to look at things like Jerry Springer or these other shows that are on, you know, whatever you're watching, you think, man, I'm not as bad as them. Hey, I wasn't watching it. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Right. Uh, We're we're not as bad as them. You know, (laughs) what you're doing is you're comparing yourself to another imperfect person. Mm -hmm. And you're not not getting a clear picture of where you really stand with God, because until you compare yourself with Christ or the law in the Old Testament, then you really don't have a clear picture of where you stand. Yeah. And until you understand that the standard is God, is, is is the law, is Christ Himself, then you can start to understand your need for sin. You can understand your need for some kind of, you know, help. Yeah. You know that you can't do it. Oh man, I might could be better than that person, but not that person. But at least I'm better than somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but when we compare ourselves to Christ, we're not better than anything. We're not. We have no hope. No, we don't. Oh man. Did you miss all that? Well, no, no. I. Just, that's why I was hanging around with Ray. <laughs> this whole time, <laughs> I just look so much better. <laughs> That's Ray, why I'm here on Earth. Ray, Ray's <laughs> purpose is to make people feel really good about break themselves. Break up your thoughts or anything. Like, <laughs> shoot. Yeah, that's that's my purpose. I uh, I'm here to make you feel better about your sin, right? Yeah. Like, well, at least I'm not as bad as Sterling. I'm not as bad as Ray. Yeah, you know, Tennessee people have a you know bad that's rap. Right. Oh, you're from Tennessee. Yep. I'm out of here, dude. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, Seth, you brought up something that just sparked a thought that I wanted to jump off track a little Mm -hmm. bit, and then we'll come back. And it's the story of the Pharisee and the publican. Yeah. Found in Luke 18, Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to read through this. I love this because it really shows the attitude, uh, difference between a humble heart and a proud heart. And, uh, you know, we uh, also know from James that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And this parable just plays that out beautifully. So we're reading from Luke 18. We're going to read verses 9 through 14. And this is Jesus speaking. And he also told this parable to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax gatherer. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax gatherer, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. What a great story. I mean, it's just a perfect picture of really law and grace. Yeah. You know, the the person who is the most deceived in this life is the one who actually thinks he's keeping the law. Uh, That's... That's the height of self-deception. We will pick this back up after the break. You've been listening to Minding the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at mindingthetruth.com. Also, we'd like to ask that you take a minute and prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. 
And if God has prompted you to do so, just go to MindingTheTruth.com and click Donate. Thanks again for listening. Now back to Ray. You know, I've just, I've always uh, loved that story because it gives me hope. You know, uh, I just, I see a lot of hope in the fact that uh, I can bring all the broken pieces of my life to God, and that's what He wants. Yeah. And, and He said something in there, too, in the story where He says, thank you, God, that I'm not like that person. Yeah, yeah. And I think in a way, a lot of us, when we talk about the situations of other people that we know, it, it starts off with good intentions of, let's pray for them, but it becomes just this, man, I can't believe they do that. And that's really just a nice way of saying, I can't believe they do that because I never would. Yeah. And we're really doing the same thing. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I, I love that it's the tax collector, the one that everybody hates, mm-hmm. has this understanding that this other law person doesn't understand. And uh, Jesus has a great way of giving this great cryptic thing at the end, who humbles himself will be exalted, and who exalts himself will be humbled. Um, it's just a really great picture. I really love this story, too. Um, and even as we talk about it right now, there are those that are trapped in that. And I think our response is that for ourselves or for anyone else is, is exactly what Jesus felt. It's, it's compassion for people that are, are trapped in legalism, because we ourselves fall into that, too. Absolutely. And so just helping each other out of that in a godly, lovely, loving way um, is the answer to this, I think. Absolutely. It's like we find people in, in trapped in this and trying to strive to these rules and to keep the law and to do the right thing all the time, and that's their God. Yeah. Uh, lovingly bringing them to a place where they understand that that's already done for yeah. you. Yeah. And, and right now it's, a, it's about this grace relationship that we don't deserve, that we somehow have with Him. You know, there's a great, a, a great quote from uh, Watchman Nee that's, I won't quote it exactly, but the concept is that Christianity doesn't begin with a do, but with a done. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that we are putting all of our confidence in what Jesus did, not what we do. You know, I want to keep coming back to the, uh, to the law because it's, it can be very confusing because the law is actually good. You know, Paul tells us the law is holy, just, and good. So we're not saying there's anything defective about the law, even though it's a diagnostic tool to show our sin, but it isn't the remedy for sin. Uh, but, it, but that doesn't make it defective. You know, Paul says the reason that, that the, uh, you know, the law doesn't do its job in the sense of making us righteous before God is because of our flesh. It's because of our fallen nature. And we can't keep the law in order to make ourselves right before God. But I want to kind of keep uh, going because sometimes that's a hard, like you said, it's a hard concept for all of us to grasp because we are performance-based. And I just wanted to read some verses that kind of, you know, may shock us into reality a little bit. You know, there's, there's uh, Romans 4.15, and the concept here is that the law actually brings wrath. Uh, and it says, for the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is no violation. Uh, there's another concept that if you practice the law, you have to live by it. Romans 10.5. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness, which is based on law, shall live by that righteousness. And just a really bold, the book of Galatians really, if you really want to delve deep into law and grace, Galatians is just one of those great books. 
Here's a couple of passages that I'm going to read out of Galatians. Galatians 2.21, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. I don't know how any plainer you can get than that. Uh, Galatians 3.11, Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. So those are pretty profound statements that should give us some pause. In they really it, are, but you know it brings up an interesting point, and that is the idea of purgatory. If you, I, I've never heard anything in the Bible where it talks about or refers to the law as being lesser, as you've put it throughout the show. So how can someone go and ever consider that there would be a halfway point? I don't know. You know, I just finished doing a Bible study, or actually a book study with a group of people. Yeah. And it was on C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. And it's basically... Uh, based on the main character, eventually it's revealed in the book that it was a dream that he was going through, but it deals with purgatory. Yeah. And, you know, it's a fascinating book and a lot of great analogies in it. I personally can't find any biblical reason to believe in purgatory. Well, every, everything that you just read, every passage that you just read, it, it conveys an idea that there is no weights like as you said earlier, lying versus murder. Mm -hmm. It's all the same. You are all the same uh, at the cross of Jesus. Yes. So where could you have a concept or where in the Bible could anything lead us to believe that there is a halfway point in which you're, you know, you don't go to hell and you don't go to heaven? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange concept, especially when you think about the passage that says it's appointed for man wants to die and then comes judgment. Right. It doesn't say, and then comes purgatory. Right. And then the thief of the cross say, he says, for you today will be in paradise with me. You know, right now you're, it's immediate. There is a little bit of an idea from the Jewish idea of Sheol, the holding place. But, uh, you know, it's as far as our Christian faith, it is hard to find yeah, that it, idea in there. It really is. Well, that's all the time we have for this show. We will pick it back up again next time. I'm Ray Sturdivant, Mining the Tree. Thanks for listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at miningthetruth.com. Thanks again for listening. And join us next time for more of Grace, Trust, and Surrender. Surrender.